From the pages of the Salt Lake Tribune, straight to your earphones, this is Tribune Sports Radio. Other media outlets in the state were like, oh, this guy, you mean all we got to do is tweet at the guy and he'll <laughs> come on our show? Well, I think that's, you know, we kind of tell you what we're talking about with the State of the Union. So that's the kind of guy you want running the show. Not You want Spencer Cox to be president? Sure. That that might, well, okay. I mean, he was a great guest, and it was very nice that he came in and we got to talk about sports. Um, we probably should have asked some other questions if you want like to inflation. be Like inflation. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. When are you running, and how can I volunteer? Well, and well, Benny would have been like, so if you're going to be president, what can you do to bring the Summer Olympic Games to Salt Lake City? It would have been on my top of my list. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, I have to. Inf- Are we on? I know you do this. Yeah, but I, I'm going to get to a point and I'm going to chop it and we're going to start. Oh, I thought we were already there. I, th- I, right. I thought I had some pretty good material there in Spencer Cox. Well, I apparently mean, not. You know, it, it is. It, it's kind of funny because I had an opportunity. Why do I not have a mic stand? Do you want a mic stand? I mean, you, my goodness. Oh, I thought that was your preference. No, it never time. is. I always want one of those, but Benny doesn't let me. I will uh, buy one more of these for next week. No, I don't want that now. No, I want, oh. I want, I want the uh, Kamrani uh, jabbing down your throat one. Well, the Kamrani, the Kamrani one was the one that was why I sounded like I was in a tunnel last week. Instead, it's just your voice this week. Oh my lord! Yeah. All right, let's get let, let's get this party started. All right, episode thirty-seven, Tribune Sports Radio. No, nah, that's a horrible oh, start. Gosh. No, but we're starting where we started. Anyway, uh, with us today. Uh, Good friend of the show, Kyle Goon. How you doing, Kyle? Great. How are you, Benny? Uh, How's the uh, voice? Voice is atrocious. I know. You know. It's all the seasonal allergy stuff. And, you know, you yell nonstop for ten and a half hours. It uh, just tends to put, you know what it is? Heckling it's, during it's, the State of the Union. It's overinflated, not underinflated, my voice. Horrible okay. pun? Uh, you think? Yeah. <laughs> wow. And Kevin Warner Morris. How you doing, buddy? Good, Benny. How are you, buddy? I'm good. No, I, I, I think back to Spencer really fast is that you want somebody who looks like they belong up there. And I think Spence looked good. Okay. All right. Yeah, he did, he did look really good. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Good yeah. Guy on the podcast. You know, the Suko, the tie. I, I do believe that's the first time we had someone on the podcast in a tie. Um, however, I think Kamrani um, had first... court. <laughs> <laughs> no one compares to the Kamrani here. However,. The lieutenant governor, since let's address him uh, with the proper respect. Since Can we call him Loot Gov? Well, you want to make him president, so, you know. I like to call him LT, even though he wants to be called LG. Right. Yeah, you, you kind of have cool to go with what he wants. So, like, large, like, LG. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'd, it, when I create my posse eventually, there's going to be an LG. <laughs> and there is one, Kyle. You might not know it, but you, you hold a lot of weight with the – four to eight year old uh, population <laughs> there's quite the group that follows you well, my one of my credentials is east high high school student body once chanted my name at a football game really yeah why because i was reporting on uh the great east scandal of what was it 2012 2013 2012 i guess yeah and when they were nearly disqualified from the playoffs and so i was covering that and for some reason so, so East High School got their eligibility back, right, after initially yeah. being denied? Why were they denied? Because they had ineligible players playing on their, on their like team. Like kids from other schools that shouldn't be there? 
it, the kids that had transferred um, and had not filed the, the proper paperwork. Okay. So what happened was I was covering this story and a bunch of kids from East High School started following me on Twitter and sort of hanging on me and Amy Donaldson. We were probably the closest to the story and, and started hanging on our tweets. And they sort of like, you know, to a high schooler, when East gets their eligibility back and like somebody tweets it, that person who tweeted it somehow had a hand in restoring eligibility. So somehow I got confused for, I, 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 well, I mean, just sort of equated with who, the people who made that decision to let, allow East in the playoffs. So their first playoff game, I, I walk in and I walk to the other sideline and there's like a crowd of students saying, Kyle Good, Kyle Good. <laughs> and that's like, that's not a great moment for a reporter because you just, you like, well, first of all, there's a game happening. So you don't want to appear like. You're part of the story. Yeah, yeah you don't want to be part of the story. But that was um, sort of a singular moment in my career. That's the most gonzo story you've ever told me about covering preps. That's that's the that's the one I got. That's it. It's always crazy when you have these high school kids that they could tweet out like, "I went to Wendy's, got myself a frosty." Thirty-seven retweets, you know, fifty-seven favorites, and you know, I'm writing gold out there, people, and I can barely get, you know, it takes absolutely everything to get one favorite, and ten times out of nine times out of ten, it's one of you two guys that are doing it. I, I make it my policy to favorite anything that you tweet, Benny. Um, that's just my policy. There's only so many favorites you can get out of Wasatch Academy soccer, though. Like, <laughs> that's fair enough, you know. And I'm sure the Waterford, the Waterford people have more important things, like getting into Harvard, yeah, you know, than to follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, speaking of getting into Harvard, which is up in New England. Uh, that, that n- no. Bravo. I mean, <laughs> you could have you you gone back to the president and – Speaking of Harvard alums, I mean, come on, you're better than that. All right, fair enough. No, no. I, I, uh, yeah, I he, he might not be. All right, fair enough. He's not better than All that. All right, we're getting into this deflate gate. What uh, exactly is this? A bunch of who? Whiners? Is this hooey and applesauce? No, you know what? Okay. All right. Ready? I've now taken my step, a step up onto the soapbox. Here's the thing. <laughs> Was there really anyone who thought that the Colts were going to beat the Patriots if it, without, without this? I mean, I didn't even really bother to follow the game because I was like, it's not even going to be close. They, they smoked them the last couple times that they played them. It wasn't even close. Not even close. So, you know, how paranoid does Bill Belichick have to be? Oh, now he says he didn't know anything about it. Yeah, Okay, buddy, whatever. How paranoid do you have to be to be like, all right, dude, hey. Uh, someone takes some air out of that football. We need an advantage. Come on, play, play, play the game legitimately. Stop all this cheating, below hooey, and just play the game. Uh, it's it's, it's ridiculous. Like it's like the the offense itself isn't what what gets you in trouble. It's the lie, and I yeah. think I think it's the fact that Tom Brady went up yesterday. I saw that, and and says, you know, the he had no role. He didn't know any wrongdoing and um right after i guess mark brunell's doing analysis and it's like well actually like i was very involved in like the ball inflation process like i i knew i wanted my balls at like 13 psi Mm -hmm. like that was my preference if the balls were too too new i'd have them go over with a brush like quarterbacks are very involved in in 
the ball preparation. You you know what this reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of uh, Sammy Sosa back with the cork bat, well, and he's like, I, I don't know. I just happened to grab the bat, and I I don't know. I just it was a it was one I used for batting practice. Baloney, your job, your entire livelihood depends on you swinging this piece of uh, the this piece of lumber. Exactly. They make these bats specifically for you. You would know if there was a difference. It's the same with football. You know, uh, they've talked about, oh, well, would you really know and blah, blah, blah. Well, here's the thing. Their livelihood depends on it. Every single day they are touching a football and they know the feel. They, they know the ins and outs of that football and how to throw it harder, how to throw it lighter, how to throw it in wind, how to how – to, how to pull a little bit harder with your with your fingers in order to increase the spiral. They know all that. That's yeah. why they're a professional <clears throat> athlete. That's why they are the best that they are. I don't believe for a second that oh, we just didn't know. I agree with this one. This one I think they absolutely had to have known because in the two jobs and the two industries that I've worked in, both working as an electrician as a bartender, just by feel, I knew which one was my Phillips head driver. I knew which one. Yeah. I just knew yeah. where my clips were, which one was my lineman, which one were my uh, long, uh, needle nose pliers. And at the bar, I know just by the weight of the glass or the weight of the cup when I'm making drinks, I know exactly what's in there. And it's because I've been doing for 20 years right you know? exactly and Tom Brady's been holding a football for what is he 34 ish 33 ish somewhere in that neighborhood yeah. he's probably been holding a football for 26 years yeah I mean that's not not to be an exaggerating on that dude's 37 37 so yeah long. majority of his life if not his entire va- life. yeah exactly he's been holding footballs and he knows and I, I think that it it, it is kind of and I know I keep going back to baseball, but it's like when a, a pitcher intentionally beans someone, you know, they can't say, yeah, I threw at him. It's very rare that a guy will say, you know what? Yeah, I threw at him. It's all, oh, yeah, it just got out of my hand. And I kind of feel like that's what's going on here is that the, the NFL really hasn't said what they're going to do, if anything. Mm-hmm. And so the Patriots kind of have to be a little sly about it. Um, and there's no way. I mean, the, the other thing is there's no way to prove that Tom Brady had knowledge or Bill Belichick had knowledge. All, all the Pats have to do is just um, is kind of give the company line and, and you know, right. they, may, they may get fined, they may lose a draft pick, but well, if you're the NFL, what can you do exactly? Well, what about the, I mean, what about the referees on the sideline? I mean, couldn't they, when they were setting up the ball on this, could they not have felt it? When, when they get, well, the officials are in charge of checking the balls to make sure that they're game ready before the game. And, you know, that that's something that, I, my guess is that's who it's going to come down being blamed on is someone didn't fully check or something like that. I don't know. It's you, multiple officials touch a ball on a play after a play because you've got you've got the side judge who comes. You've got the guy who comes in. You've got the guy who actually has the ball, who hands it to him, who places it on, who spots the ball. Then they move the ball back to the center of the field within the hashes. So multiple people are touching the ball, but – I, I'm not going to put too much on them. I, well, I do think in the heat yeah. of the game, you're like you're just like, all right, you know, the play clock is going. You've got to make sure that the ball is down and ready for play. And Rugby match, soccer match, basketball match, you know, where the ball gets back and yeah. forth in the transition of the game and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people can feel that. I mean, when, if it's, if it's uh, supposed to be, what, 13 PSI, but it's actually at 11 or 10, yeah. wouldn't Andrew Luck have been able to pick up on this, or was he playing with well, the, They're uh, playing with different, different balls. balls. Oh, they were. Yeah, the, the whole thing is that... The, I, I think mean, everyone, everyone saw... I, I'm pretty sure Boston everyone Massacre. saw that 
Tom Brady had a different set of balls than Andrew Luck on Sunday. Really? But. Really? We're going <laughs> to – come on. You're, come on. Low-hanging fruit. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's just way too easy. So let me – it's, it's different balls the way that the Colts found out. We, they intercepted a pass. Can, can we – can, can I, uh, before we get too far ahead, can I share a, an email that my dad sent me yesterday? During the Not day? if it's as bad as that last joke that you <laughs> said. <laughs> Please. How's my Lyman dad's Goon? email. My dad, just, just so Mr. Goon, at, the thanks listeners for listening. have some background. Lyman Goon is a, it's kind of a hot takes king. He, uh, <laughs> he texts me every couple of weeks um, or sends me an email about something sports related. And some of his previous, I, I pulled up my text messages and so some of his previous hot takes include Anderson, as in Gary Anderson, leaving and headed back west. Utah State, maybe. <laughs> I swear to God. Um, he also sent me a one-word expletive uh, during the Kalen Clay game. Um, uh, but anyway, so he sent me this email while the Tom Brady press conference was going on, which I think was kind of like silly in the first place that we had, what, a half-hour press conference on Give or take, yeah. deflated balls. Dad's email, softballs, OMG, the Tom Brady press conference is so stupid. The reporters are asking stupid questions. Dad. <laughs> Just, he needs that, a string. That's, that's kind of a summary, I think, of how a lot of people felt. I mean, it, you know, it's, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, the Patriots kind of have that reputation for getting those, ed, those funky edges. But, I mean, in the end, like, are we really – Really, so concerned. I mean, like, I think I'm a little concerned about the idea that s- somebody in the Patriots staff is lying, um, and it could be Tom Brady, it could be Bill Belichick, but uh, ultimately, like, uh, well, soften. Let me ask you a question. Well, it, it, okay, the, the score definitely. I think that the score make it tr- almost kind of mitigates it a little bit. But if that had been a game that's that the Patriots win on a f- by a field goal, I think. I think that it would change things. I think that the fact that the Patriots blew them out kind of diminishes some of the, uh, some of the outrage. Not all of it, because there's still plenty of it. But I do think that the score, it's like, as I said earlier, well, there was I at least I had very little question that the Patriots were going to blow them out. If that's a close game, that's a. I think that that's a. It makes it even worse. It, it's they the Patriots almost kind of got lucky, I guess. Lucky might not be the right word, but that it wasn't a close game. Well, one of the you two were talking about baseball. I mean, what uh, is this different in your opinion than say stealing signs? Right, or or doctrine of baseball. I mean, yeah. you know, the guys will put stuff on the ball, and that'll make it break a, a little bit more, break in a different way. Or is this more like wrapping a, a roll of nickels in Manny Pacquiao's hands before he faces <laughs> Floyd Mayweather? Is, is it possible that the balls are just deflated because Rob Gronkowski touched them, like, <laughs> just clamped them between his, his big old mitts? It's like uh, it. kind of like an old Miller Lite commercial. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, what role? Uh, where? What role does cheating play in sports? You know, there's uh, the saying, which I tried to figure out who first said it, and I could not find the source. But if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I mean, oh. is that is that something that what it's Lou? Um, and you'd be surprised. Google it, and it's, it's hard York, to find. Is it the New York Mets manager? Uh, the New York. Uh, oh, Lou, uh, Lou. What's his name? Lou Deschel. Um, Ferrigno? No, not Lou Ferrigno. God bless Lou Ferrigno. I sound like Lou Ferrigno right now. You do. You do. But, but I mean, I think that that's the question is, what role does cheating play in sports? And at what point does it cross the line from trying to gain an edge to, to cheating? 
that's it. There's the part where it's like you want to have the ideas that you have, uh, say, like in a soccer match, uh, take U.S. versus Brazil or something like that. Right. You're going to have your best 11 on against their best 11. And, you know, you want to make sure that you probably want to match up as best you can, that your weakest player is at least better than their weakest player, going mm-hmm. through the numbers and stuff. You, know, you do this for a living, Kyle, so give me some slack. But um, as you're going through that, it's like, are you talking about like advancing, taking 15 extra steps before you throw in the ball when it goes out of bounds? Are you, um, what do you, uh, like, what do you mean by that? Well, it's it's something like, uh, okay, for instance, uh, uh, you know, you you look at in in baseball again, going back to baseball, it when you mess with the length of the infield grass in order to better adjust uh, to your defense's strengths and weaknesses. You know, it, if, if you got a real long grass and you got a guy who likes to bunt, that ball's going to die faster. Mm-hmm. Or before a game, you know, the other team has, you know, the, you're playing the Reds and uh, um, Hamilton is stealing bases left and right. Well, what do you do? Well, you make sure that uh, you really water down that infield, make it a little muddy almost. Tough to get uh, your footing underneath you to steal second base if the infield's real muddy. See, but is that's that diff- cheating or is that just gaining an yeah, edge? Yeah, but see, I think with this, though, it's different because it affects both teams equally, too, for the most part. If, if Brady and It doesn't, Col- though. No, Brady and the Colts, uh, probably, I should say, the Patriots and the Colts were playing with two separate balls. That is, that, that's, a, that's a discrepancy between the game, which I, I believe that is to be cheating. That, that, that's football, is that each team gets to supply 12 balls that they use um, for their offense. And, hey, you know, you can, you can do what you want to the ball um, to get it ready for you. And at what point does it cross the line from cheating to, to just trying to gain an edge? I mean, it, 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 baseball, too. If you wipe your brow and there's sweat. works in baseball. <laughs> What's that? I said I think we've heard plenty how it works in baseball. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> you've, got, you've got some sunscreen on your arm in a dome, yeah. and uh, you rub a little dirt on that. You put that on the ball. Oh, my goodness. Surprise, surprise. The ball, it's a little easier to grip, and it does some funky things when you do that. Is that cheating, or is it trying to gain an edge? NASCAR. Oh my cheating. goodness! In NASCAR, <laughs> I think it's cheating too. And but so then, Kyle, did the Patriots cheat, or were they just trying to gain an edge? I don't like this. Get an edge. I, it's. I, I think there's a better way of framing it. But it, it's either did they cheat, or were they? I think it. it I think it can be both. I, I mean, I don't know. I. Well, you're like trying I to. Sa- like I said, I mean, I don't. I. I don't know. I'm. I'm kind of over it in a, in a 45-7 game. Although I'm sure. You know, the officials in the NFL will be watching pretty closely for the Super Bowl. Who has their, um, who, who has their uh, PSI levels at what? Right. But I, I don't know. I mean, I just can't get that worked up over it. I, I, I realize that it gives them an edge and all that, but I just, it's just hard for me. It's, it's really just, it's hard for me to get worked up over some, some softer than really or should be necessary balls. Yeah. Conscri- and, and I think and I think that that kind of thing happens all the time in sports. Well, you know, this, I do. this is also probably a dream situation for the NFL where they have a, a, a scandal which doesn't involve like, girlfriends getting punched in elevators and ch- children getting hit by switches. Like this one is it's the fodder for talk radio and podcasts, you know, because at the end of the day, yeah. boom, who cares? Yeah. You know? At the end of the day, everyone, you know, people of Indianapolis they're still going to watch the no one Super else Bowl. cares. 
they're still going to watch the Super Bowl, and they're still going to make their billions of dollars. And at the end of the day, nothing changes. The yeah. Patriots might lose a draft pick or get <coughs> fined a little bit of cash, and some ball boy will probably be blamed and lose his job. That's some intern. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you think uh, this is the kind of thing – well, I mean, uh, going into the Super Bowl, do you think the Patri- uh, Patriots are going to roll over them? I don't think they're going to roll over them, although – I do not want to hear about, oh, everyone's against us. It's because you cheated. (laughs) Um, I I will watch the commercials, and I will go to the bathroom during the game. I I probably could not care any less about these two teams. It's just not interesting to me. I I do not like the Patriots. Um, I have not forever. Um, and the Seahawks, they won it last year, so I'm kind of like, eh, they, they've got theirs. But then it's like, well, the Patriots have that. I just don't care. Yeah, it's also being hosted in Arizona, which I don't care about either. Yeah. It's a bang, bang, bang on that. I mean, if it, if it were somewhere fun like Green Bay, <laughs> that I would watch that. I, I'll still watch it, but I just, nah. It's, I can't get behind any of the – like, there's not a guy – you know – for me, like when the Broncos made it, it was like, all right, hey, Peyton, hey, go Peyton, because you seem like a nice fella. Um, there isn't even a guy I can really get behind <laughs> anymore. You're telling me you can't get behind Marshawn Lynch? I'm sorry. As that a guy Bills is, fan, no, I can't. That guy, oh, well, that's your own fault. <laughs> <laughs> Says the guy who refused to acknowledge that the Ravens had even played when last on the podcast. I don't recall. Leaving dead air. As a statement to your Raven <laughs> fanhood. As a sports reporter, if, you had, that, if you had to interview Lynch, I mean, would you be infuriated by his, yeah, mm, sure. Okay. Well, here, here's the deal. I'm, I, I don't think, I don't, I, I don't really hold it against him that he doesn't answer questions. It's his own prerogative. I, I feel like the, one of the problems for our business is that Marshawn Lynch has kind of made that sort of in vogue. I mean, you know, and, and he's, he's really – a easy kind of NFL star to like. I mean, the guy's ridiculous. Like, even from when he came in the league with his grills into now where he's, like, obsessed with Skittles. Like, did you see that commercial where he's, like, weightlifting these giant tubs of Skittles? <laughs> no. It's, like, ridiculous. And, and the I'm all about that action boss. And <laughs> I listen, How many times have you listened to that auto-tune? Like, I've listened to it so many times. Not as much as Gangnam Style, but it's getting there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, like, you know, he's really – easy to like and obviously his playing style is kind of inspiring um but i just i i you know i do kind of have a problem with that you know people are kind of making this movement out of it like that athletes should never talk to media and 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 i i feel i mean maybe yeah obviously i'm biased but i i feel like media plays a role in you know being that bridge from from the athletes to the fans, and I mean, who who pays the money to to keep these sports viable? I mean, the fans, and yeah. and do they deserve a certain level of insight into your life? Well, probably. I mean, if you're if you're uh, gonna make as much money as these guys make, and 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 uh, and then say, well, you know, we can we can shut ourselves off to you at any point. Well, I mean, you know, that's that's kind of a dick move <laughs> for, la- for for lack of a better term. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I just kind of feel like the trend itself 
is is kind of at fault. I don't I don't really blame Marshawn. He doesn't want to trust media, and I guess he's been burned in the past. Um, maybe when he was at Cal or in Buffalo. Or did he get burned in high school? Or in, in high school yeah. at this point, but yeah, misquoted once and. Yeah, but but I mean, with with all the money that goes into sports, and I mean, they they deserve some accountability. I mean, or they they have some accountability, and that includes the athletes themselves. I I think, and and you know, if it's a personal deal with Marshawn, okay, but just the fact that other athletes kind of watch this, and and even at the high school and college levels, you know, say, oh well, they kind of paint it as like. Media well, versus Marshawn. It deal. almost seems like if you were just really a nice guy and had lots of candor, it almost became boring. You know, you'd be there. That's a great way of not having people ask you questions. You know, just kind of become like it was a very exciting game. I had a very nice time playing. Mm-hmm. You know, boy, coach really called that. He called that right on three and seven. You know, good good job on the line for open up the the a the hole. Did you see the? Uh... Did you see the Russell? Or the C-hole. They're called gaps. Did you see see Russell Wilson? Or uh, Russell Westbrook, sorry, this last week in a press conference? No. It was like the media, he had sort of media grouping, and there were people kind of asking him questions, and whatever question he was asked, he would say, good execution. We executed well. It was good execution. And then someone was like, is there something wrong, uh, Russell? He said, "Yeah, I don't like you." <laughs> wow. So, but I, I just it would be nice if he said like I, Marie Antoinette, good execution. It would it would be nice if we could get to a place where it, it it wasn't so adversarial. I mean, you know, media, we have a job, and that job is to kind of hold teams and, and athletes accountable um, for what's going on. You know, but also, you know, kind of maybe. Cut, cut back the, the orange peel and when teams are doing well and say, hey, what's going on here? Um, and, and, but it just kind of feels like, you know, stuff like that, when, when, when events like that happen, it becomes more hostile. And, and I don't think it has to be that way. I mean, there are media who want to be hostile, but there's also athletes who want to be hostile. You, Does mo, Many of us coexist, and, and it works out fine. Well, you posted something interesting uh, this week, and it was, uh, I think it was Grantland that said uh, about talk about, yeah. you know, about, uh, talk about, talk about. Yeah. Do you want me to talk about that? Is that yeah, what you're talk saying? about. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, I said talk about, dramatic pause, talk about. Well, it's just, okay, so. so get, uh, get all the listeners up to speed on it. So it's sort of the... The criticism of, of this essay was me, media these days are getting a little lazy by saying talk about X, Y, Z. Talk, essentially talk about the game. Talk about, you know, in my job, give me, Brandon give me Taylor's play, what the in the game and play. Um, what story are you going to be telling your grandkids uh, 25 years from now from about this game? Right. And, and I think sort of the, the genesis is, you know, not to put it on my, my TV friends, but that sort of TV and radio looking for, you know, those eight eight to 10 second clips in complete sentences. And what this uh, essay suggested on Grantland was that when you say talk about, you encourage people to talk in sentences, in complete sentences, you just don't really care what they say. You know what I mean? It's a, it kind of leaves it so open-ended that, that they can say whatever they want into these mushy cliches. Like, could you talk about your team's effort in the game? 
well, I think we played hard. I think that the guys played hard and was good to see. And that's a good clip. And that's an acceptable clip, but it doesn't really tell you anything. I mean, and, <coughs> and maybe what you should be doing is asking more pointed questions that force certain kind of answers. But the, at the point of this story was to say, you know, a lot of media just kind of show up and watch the game, and, and all they want is, is some pithy quote that may just be meaningless. And it's sort of, it, I mean, I, like, everybody does it. Like, I've, I did it the other night, and I sort of, like, winced as I heard it come out of my mouth. <laughs> but it's just, you know, our job is sort of to not only just be at the game and write about what happened, but try and offer maybe some pointed analysis and, and, and sort of, like I was saying, kind of remove the peel and, and show people what's inside. I yeah. mean, and, and really when you think about it, it's like, well, what do we do that can't be shown on SportsCenter, you know, in, in like a one-minute highlight reel? And, like, is that really our job to write what's on SportsCenter? Or is it our job to say, well, here's what happened on that play or this series or this run or, you know, what sparked X, Y, Z? It's, it's sort of it, it, you have to kind of be a critical thinker. You can't just – say, oh, so-and-so scored the goal, because chances are half your readers know so-and-so scored the goal. It's a, it doesn't really tell anyone anything. And if we want to make what we do valuable, we kind of have to be on the inside a little bit and, and try and offer some explanations for why things happen, not just that things happen. And so stuff like what Lynch does makes it that much more difficult or what Westbrook had pulled. Mm -hmm. Kevin, talk about what Ke uh, Kyle just talked about. <laughs> dead air well deserved the death of podcasts is dead air but you deserve that one better well, uh, let me give me a, an example from the other night because because okay. larry kraskoviak um you know he's, he's running a top 12 team and you know typically as you kind of gain steam you know you you are more protective and you try to hold things in you have more media scrutiny um but the other night there was sort of a confrontation between uh, one of the senior centers, Dallin Bashinsky, to who, to his credit, has been a really big leader. I mean, I've seen him kind of talking in huddles and, and kind of getting guys ready to go. But he had sort of a confrontation with a teammate after he missed a rebound on a play and ended up getting a foul. And, and you can – so this is my perspective. I see this play out. He's, like, yelling at his teammate, go, goes back. Larry immediately pulls him to the bench and says some words and like the kid is like has his face in his hands and like a towel over his head like showing the worst body language mm -hmm. ever really and and uh so to larry's credit i asked him the other night well what happened there and and he said well dallin um i think some teammates expect more out of dallin and they were giving him a hard time and and he didn't like it and it was yelling back a little bit so i thought to tell him you know, you, should, you shouldn't be yelling back. You should be absorbing what they're saying. This is part of their job to kind of keep you in line. And, like, to me, that's kind of the most valuable information I can convey because it tells about the dynamics of the team. It explains about something that maybe you saw on TV but you don't fully understand. And, like, that's the kind of stuff that you should be asking about if you're a reporter, just stuff about dynamics, about plans, about, um, you know, how things happened and why. And 
to me, that's that's kind of maybe the most valuable information out of uh, Wednesday's game that that we could convey. Well, because you can follow all these things online and you know know who scored what and that. I mean, I agree with you, and I think. That's why I've always been fascinated with uh, reporters, and especially sports reporters, is because of the access. And, you know, and that not only are you able to ask the questions after the game, but it's you know you have your just proximity to the court or the field that you hear things that you you know that uh, people up in the, the in the nosebleeds won't pick up on. You know, mm-hmm. they probably could see the kid you know with the towel over his head, but they don't understand exactly what's going on. Right. And and here's the problem that there's there's sort of a trend now where most most reporters are just going to say, "Could you talk about, you know, your your front court play or or whatever?" And they're not going to get to the kid with the towel on his head because you know Utah did win by 22, and and it's not a huge storyline, but it, it is something that you got to as a reporter you have to just uh, just have sort of the gumption to just be able to just fire that question off and just be straightforward. I mean, you know, there is. There can be such a thing as being too straightforward with the question, but you know it's part of our job to be able to say, "Hey, Larry, like I saw this. You got to tell me what's going on." And if he doesn't want to tell you, then that's his own prerogative. But if he does, I mean, like that. I mean, Larry's been great with us this year. Um, that that really gives some valuable insight to the team and what they're kind of dealing with. I mean, and, and uh, you know, it's something to follow in the next game and, and that week and. You know, I'll probably go back and talk to Dallin and be like, hey, are, are you over it? You know what I mean? So that to me, that's that's my most important function as a reporter. Yeah. Dead air. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, there, I, I, uh, I understand the, the frustration with the talk about. Um, and well, I, I mean, you, I've dealt with all, it. First of all, you're guilty of it as well, right? No, never mind. <laughs> um, but, but what you do run into is that – you have uh, different types of media there to cover it, and you tell stories in different ways. You know, for instance, Kyle has to write a story. He he's he needs to put the words together and to tell a story. Whereas TV is really what uh, for a, a package for television. What you're really trying to do is you you're trying to weave in the words, the the audio with the the highlights. And so you know, if you're going to show that play that Kyle's talking about with Dallin and the yelling at the teammate and stuff, you really actually need the coach to talk about that play. Now, yeah, it's, it's kind of a weak sauce way of doing it, of, of the, the old talk about. But then you can also get into the, the know-it-all reporters. And, Kyle, I'm sure you've dealt with these as well in your illustrious career, the, the one who asks the question by basically giving their own little soliloquy beforehand about, well, on third down, I noticed that you went to the four-man defensive front package that featured Warren Sapp, Jim Jeffcoat, and two Larry other guys because I'm struggling. And that was very effective. And so um, what do you think of next week? You know, it's <laughs> like, wait, I, you just wanted to make it sound like you were intelligent, and then you ask a question that had absolutely nothing to do with those 15 minutes you just maybe filled. the worst question i ever heard um was uh this this year after utah beat the the snot out of fresno state and it was what like a 30 or 40 point game something like that and in football and uh so we go after maybe this is the second or third question and, and it's sort of a wind up like that it's like 
Yeah, you guys, you know, you really seem to out hustle them and speed and like it's first of all, it's just a pat on the back for Kyle Whittingham. Right. And and it's just like you guys really seem to out hustle them and and run really fast. How was it dealing with the weather? It seemed really hot down in the field. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're, they're like, see, and I'm even underdoing the windup. Like, right. it was seriously like a, a 15 second question. And it's like, how'd you guys deal with the weather? And not at one time when Utah was kicking the snot out of the Bulldogs was I like, gosh, the weather really is a factor in this game. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can't just be a. a just sort of a mindless observer you have to kind of be a critical thinker and maybe some of your takes are wrong as a reporter but you have to kind of learn to trust your eyes and like well if Utah is beating Fresno State with every downfield pass like I'm not sure the heat is the biggest factor in this game I'm not sure I'm gonna ask one question about the heat and it was like a, a 65 to 70 degree day it wasn't it wasn't like it was so oppressive that yeah. no one could breathe. I mean, <laughs> it was it, it was a ridiculous question, and and, yeah. and and asking questions is tough. I mean, that's that it is a difficult thing there. And and when you get into the pros, especially and and even big time college, you're uh, sometimes there are going to be reporters who are who are a little green and are still trying to get their feet under them, and it can be very intimidating when you're you're facing. Well, and Bobby Knight was notorious for dressing down reporters and just going after him after mm-hmm. a stupid question. Um, Jim Beheim in Syracuse has done it a bunch of times. It it's there are people who are notorious for that, and then you get nervous and you get that pit in your stomach, and you don't want to you don't want to be the guy on Sports Center who asked a question that set off that person. I, I remember yeah. um, back it was the first NHL game that I ever covered, and. It was uh, the Dallas Stars. It was a preseason game against the the Colorado Avalanche. And the goalie for the Stars at the time was Eddie Belfort. And I remember being there and looking at him and being like, oh, man, I am I, – I'm like, God, I think he's one of the guys who's just nuts. Like, you don't talk to the goaltender after the game, and especially Belfort, because he's just nuts. And so I'm like, all right. So I'm like, don't even make eye contact with him. Don't even make eye contact with him. And he's sitting in his locker, and Eddie Belfour had a mop on his head, man. He had a he had hair on him, and it's everywhere. And I'm like, don't look at him. Don't look at him. So then over in the corner is uh, Brett Hull. And Brett Hull is is there. And, and I think he had scored a goal in the game or something. And he's on an exercise bike. And I'm like, okay, all right. Well, we aren't talking to Belfour. Don't look at him. Don't look at him. We'll talk to Brett Hull. So then I look at him. And Brett looks at me and gives me a little nod. Hey, what up? He didn't say what up, but a little nod. The what up nod. You know yeah, what I'm talking yeah. about? I'm like, oh, no, Brett Hull's looking at me. Now i got to go ask him questions. And I'm like, no. So then I walk out of the locker room. I'm like, okay, okay. And i got a little sweat on the brow. I'm like, okay, okay. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Just go in, man. He's, he won't go off on you. And by this time, like, most of the media is already gone. So I'm like, no. Man up. How long is this locker room that you're walking? <laughs> oh, uh, it, it, no, I walked out. So then I go back in. I'm like, all right, man up. you got to ask Brett Hull a question. I go up to him. And again. The what up nod. I'm like, no, he saw me again. Now I gotta ask him because he knows that I'm that he's and now he's just in my head. He's you look like you're me. hovering too. Exactly. Well, I look like the creepy guy who's just staring at Brehel on an exercise bike, and that's not a good spot to be. Luckily, <laughs> luckily Eddie Belfour had left, so I didn't have to worry about not looking at him. So I'm like, all right, all right, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do this. So I walk up, walk up to Brett Hull. Third time, the what up nod. I'm like, oh I'm like, Brett, um, <laughs> And I think I asked him, it was one of those, it was like, 
it wasn't this bad, but it was the equivalent of Brett Hull. It's 95 degrees outside because it was because it was um, Dallas. It's 95 degrees outside, and you're a good hockey player. Can you talk about next week? You know, it was it was just a horrible question. Luckily, he was very nice. He he smiled again. Did not give me the what up nod for the fifth time, but uh, it, it was really nerve wracking that first time. And then you do it, and you're like, okay. All right, he's. I'm gonna I'll be say, okay here. I'll say this: I'm glad I started my college career, uh, covering college with Stu Morrill, because that that guy can be. He, first of all, the press conferences last as long as he wants to. Right, he, he just has, ends them, right? He well, he has this power move that I don't know of any other coach having. And Stu's, you know, six eight, and 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 a big guy. When he wants the press conference to be over, so we're all just we're always in the team room crowded around him he just moves forward like it, it's like uh moses parting the red sea and he just you can't stop him so he just like just walks through is it mid-sentence the, or is it does he at least have the courtesy to end it sometimes and and give the, us an and, example give us an example of the stew moral this is over i'm out um i mean usually when you well tony was kind of famous for asking about playing time which always kind of got like he Tony, uh, say whatever you want about Tony. He he's fearless sometimes yeah. when asking questions, and some of his questions would be like, "Why isn't so and so getting more playing time?" And that would be a press conference center, <laughs> and, and like, but Stu just he just he would just kind of pass through the media crowd, and and if you were in his way, like I don't know, maybe you would get trampled. I'm not sure. Everyone moved. T- Tony needed to D him up, you know. <laughs> Be like, hey, no, 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 coach, we aren't done here. Yeah, he's got to show some of those 24-hour fitness moves. Exactly. But exactly. no, no, Stu is kind of so. I, in my experience, what I used to do, I don't do it as much anymore unless there's, you know, a huge list of things. But you just make a list. You just make a list of, of what you kind of see as the most pressing questions out of a game and, and what you want to know the most about. And, and that's what you got to do for coaches who are, just aren't going to stand you. I mean, you know, even Matt Wells, when we were do, you know, football in the spring, it's sort of, if you ask a dumb question, like he's not a, a mean guy, he's actually a very nice guy, but he'll, he'll turn that question back yeah. on you and, yeah. and make you look a little, yeah. little silly. Um, but you just you just got to be prepared, especially if you're younger, you know. And and now I feel like I'm kind of at the point where I I kind of go in knowing what I want to ask. But that's that's part of it. You can't just go in and be like, uh, you know, oh well, I see that uh, the other team had a lot of turnovers and you had very few. How big was that? Which is another right, thing that right. article brought up. It's like, how big was that? Well, obviously it was very big, like, right. or it was a huge advantage. Like you don't need to ask. Uh, this huge advantage I'm seeing on paper was it actually a huge advantage? Like uh, going back to kind of that nervousness thing, you know, you said being prepared. Do you get nervous anymore? Who was probably the last one that you were getting ready to interview oh, and sh- had sure. the butterflies? No, I get nervous. Um, and uh, you know, co- coaches in general are powerful people. I mean, if you think about so their day-to-day interactions with almost everyone they meet, mm-hmm. I mean, they kind of have command over everyone. So they, they project that authority. Um, so, yeah, I mean, sometimes if, if you know, especially if a coach is mad at you, you get nervous. Yeah. Um, or if you wrote or something you negative. Just, you just yeah. learn, yeah, you just learn to kind of 
deal with that feeling. So yeah. um, when you're doing uh, prep sports, did you get nervous doing that? Um, I mean, I had confrontations. No, okay, let's start off with the athletes. I mean, did you ever get nervous about the athletes? No. Yeah, because you're kids. They're kids. And you're an adult, and you're a professional, and they're students. Right, exactly. Coaches, though. Coaches, yeah. Because Co- you're a man, and they're, you know, they're yeah, adults as well. Depends. Cause the, well, the dynamic is, you know, in preps, the coaches need you more. Yeah. In college, they don't need you as much. In pros, who, who cares if you're there at all? I mean, because cause the, the NBA is always going to be a big deal. The NFL is always going to be a big deal. I mean, nothing's going to kind of make them go away. And, and perhaps the dynamic's totally different. Coaches are calling you, and they, they want, you know, hey, hey like, could, this kid is doing well for us. I mean, that, that was kind of the biggest adjustment where you kind of, as you move up, you know, the, frankly, the teams see less and less need for you personally. So it's sort of like the transition of journalism going from like to print, and specifically newspapers, from print to online. I mean, with stuff like Twitter and, and people having their Facebook pages and even on their own websites, is that killing the need to have guys like you in that room? You know, like they can basically get the information out that they want anyway. Yeah. I mean, these guys hire, these have, they have sports information directors. Yeah, well, I think some people see it that way, and I don't because I think the dif- the difference between us and and sports information and, and all the things that you know, for example, Utah does on it on its own. I mean, all they write profiles in their programs. They write, you know, that they, they tweet. They do a whole bunch of stuff. But I feel like the difference between that and what we do is just the critical eye. I mean, you, you kind of need. Somebody, I mean, especially when you consider that universities are public institutions funded by taxpayers and, and athletic departments are funded by ticket sales and, and the revenue that the fans put into the program and donors put in the program, I mean, they would kind of deserve to be held accountable how they're spending that money, how they're treating the athletes, how the athletes are kind of performing with scholarships and, and all the things that come with their athletic careers. I mean, to, to me, that's an important role. And, you know, I hope that people see it that way. I, I hear feedback from people saying that they appreciate our coverage and, and what we're doing. I mean, even when Maple were not the most popular, like when, when the whole Whittingham-Chris Hill dynamic was going on a couple weeks ago, I mean, we maybe weren't the most popular media outlet, but there were people who were saying, yeah, I mean, like, tell us what's going on there. Because they want to know, because they want to know what's really happening. Whereas, where, you know, Utah football, you know, the Twitter account, they're not going to, you know, be analyzing what's happening between Kyle Whittingham and Chris Hill. What's their relationship like? Is it frosty or is it, is it, you know, getting warmer? I mean, that's our role. So, I'm not going to let you off the hook on this one, because uh, I like where Kevin was going with this. What, who has made you particularly nervous when you're interviewing them? I mean, yeah, I, I still think just coaches, when they're angry with you, I'm trying to think of somebody I was psyched to interview. It's it's honestly getting harder. Don't say Spencer Cox, because that's uh, our choice. Oh, that was, yeah, that was. Well, that's your very choice. Intimidating. <laughs> very intimidating. Um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of, I'm kind of over it at this point, a, a lot of things. I mean, I'm sure, like, some some Hall of Famers or something, um, you know, maybe somebody who's visiting. I mean, I know, like, certainly, like, my childhood heroes, 
you know, if Cal Ripken was in Utah for some random event. Jim Palmer's actually going to be in Utah for a Utah baseball dinner. He was a pretty decent pitcher back in his day. Yeah. That, Not that a bad announcer cool. either. Um, What's he doing with his time? Play-by-play guy for the Orioles, isn't he? <laughs> uh, not anymore, I don't think. He was, uh, I was, but he was, he was the play-by-play guy for a long time. He's pretty good. Um, I mean, but guys like that, you know, Kareem was at a recent uh, game between Utah and UNLV that I covered. Um, but he also didn't know anything about either of the teams and said as much. <laughs> I would have asked him nothing about airplane. Yeah. Well, why not? Jim Palmer is currently a color commentator on Masson's oh, broadcast. So, well, I just don't know. I, just I often watch anymore. my beloved Orioles. <laughs> <laughs> I was an Orioles fan back in the day. Back in the day, uh, Eddie Murray, the old switch-hitting power man, and Cal, Mike Boddicker. Mike Flanagan. And you just had to go with the team that's won fewer championships. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's enough out of you. Yep. I, I I think, I mean, I I think it's what Kyle's kind of touching on there is like who you still get nervous about. It's kind of the people that um, you normally don't. Like, I would imagine that you don't get nervous with Larry anymore unless you've written something really scathing about yeah. the Utes. Because you, you develop a relationship there. You know, you, your job is to talk to Larry on a regular basis. And right. so, well, I mean, what are, you, what, are you, what are you worried about? Them yelling at you? Calling you a, a dunderhead? Yeah, I mean, it never feels good when a coach calls you out. Especially a dunderhead. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like last week, you know. Any antiquated insult uh, went to a Friday practice while they were on the road and, and it took – took a recording of their freshman center, Jakob Podol, saying he was looking forward to going back to Arizona and kicking their ass. <laughs> and, you know, that was not um, the coaching staff's favorite thing uh, to get out there before, you know, a top, tw- a top 10 game. Okay. But, you know, so I was kind of like holding my breath a little bit for the post game. But, you know, Larry's, like I said earlier, I mean, he's, he's a pretty professional guy. I mean, and, and he's also very media savvy. Um, kind of going through his college career, his NBA career, and college and NBA coaching career. I mean, he's dealt with a lot of media. So I think he does have a respect and understanding for how it works. And, and, you know, I think hopefully he feels like I have a respect and understanding for how his coaching works. And, and you know, the, I'm not going to be the guy necessarily who Tony Jones like is like, you know, don't you think so-and-so deserves more playing time? I may ask – now, is someone making a case to start in your eyes? But I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to say, well, if I were coach, like, I would make so-and-so play more. You know what I mean? No, it's, well, it's, it's also interesting to think about. It's like when you're doing prep sports and you have prep writers, they tend to be the newest writers on any newspaper. And then as you start progressing out, obviously you're a case, uh, case for this. Like you started preps and you moved up to Utah State and University of Utah. You know, let's just say – five years from now you're covering the Denver Broncos or something like that, you know. You put all those years of your training into your that tool bag that you have, mm. and that the players that you're covering uh, for, say, the Broncos, they could be as young as 23. They could be considerably younger than you. And it's weird to be held accounted uh, to considerably younger people that lack the professionalism in their career that they haven't, you know, the, the skill sets they haven't developed yet, whereas you've already developed it. And yet when it comes down to when you guys intersect, you still have a hard time basically getting out of them what you want. I'm There's, 
Was, can I, you talk about that? Can, can I talk about that? <laughs> this this laryngitis thing absolutely kicked me there for a second. My voice literally was just streamed out where I got. No, I'm just saying is that the older you get and the better you get at writing, you know, it's funny that you cover kids that have not yet had the media training as much as you've been working in your field. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, that dynamic. I, I think it gets easier as you get older because you sort of, there is just sort of an authority that comes with age, um, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's, certainly it's a little weird. And it's, it's certainly a little weird to see a guy like Russell Westbrook um, who's still in his 20s, I believe, if I'm counting right, just kind of take take apart a columnist at the Oklahoma and who's been working for, you know, for 30-plus 30, 30 years or whatever. But it, it, it happens. I mean, that's just a reality of this business. People get mad at you. People who maybe you kind of see as a youngster ha- has some authority in that dynamic and, and, you know, can talk down to you if they want, if they choose to. So, but it's just something you learn to deal with. Yeah, I think I think that part of it is that I I think part of the nervousness goes away with maturity, um, and uh, to an extent. Um, but I also think that um, you also kind of realize that it's pretty rare that someone actually that the person you're interviewing actually goes off in a way that is that kind of hostile. Right. Exactly. It, it's pretty rare for someone to get hostile. Um, it'll, and so you just kind of learn that, and, and especially when you're dealing with professional athletes, it it becomes even more rare. Now, if you're going to interview Rashid Wallace, well, yeah, there's a greater likelihood that if you ask him a really bad question that you'll set him off. Um, but you know, it, it, part of it too is just kind of is it's nervousness, but it's also excitement. I, I know that back, um, last winter went during some of the, um, Olympic trials that were in, in Utah that, you know, there were, there's this little bit of nervousness because I remember growing up watching the Olympics and loving the Olympics and, um, you know, uh, Olympic heroes were just, it was just awesome to kind of watch them achieve this fame. Mm -hmm. And so to, to kind of be in on that before they went, it was kind of cool. It was, it was, it was just a new experience. And, um, I remember um, being up at, in Park City for bobsledding and Steve Holcomb um, watching him race the, the bobsled and, yeah. and then at the end talking to him. It was just a cool experience. Like there, it, it wasn't that I was nervous that he was going to go off on me by any means because he won. Um, but it was just this, this kind of anxiety that it was cool. It was cool to talk to him knowing that he was a favorite to, to win a medal. Um, he'd won medals at Olympics before. It was just kind of this coolness of, Hey, that's pretty neat. It's kind of like, you know, we joked about it with when Spencer Cox came, the Lieutenant governor. Um, it's, it's kind of this coolness factor of the chances of Spencer Cox going off on either one of us, um, on air were pretty was slim. A zero. Yeah. I mean, no he's a professional. He knows what he's doing. And there are consequences to doing that. You know, I, I'm sure that um, or I imagine that Bobby Knight didn't go home and watch SportsCenter um, repeatedly after going off on someone that it really wasn't a source of pride necessarily for him. I hope not. Um, you know, there's a little bit of embarrassment, too. And and, and you kind of learn from that also of as a person being interviewed of like there are serious repercussions to you going off. Uh, Bobby Knight could kind of get away with it because that was his shtick. Yeah, like yeah. that was just part of him. But um, I mean, it, there can be major repercussions for professional athletes of losing 
um, sponsorship deals and really and being fined. You know, Marshawn Lynch is a good example of his whole thing is he doesn't talk and that's his thing. And, um, but he's he's had to pay significant fines because of that of his refusal to talk and and so there are repercussions for them as well that they I think that the interviewee also takes into consideration yeah it's it's I I think with the uh, LT it was more like just kind of like what Kyle was saying is you didn't want to come across as an idiot you right you wanted right. to you know have a nice conversation because that's what the podcast should be all about and uh you know, ideally, the, you know, the person you're talking with, you know, not even the interviewee, this is the person in the conversation, is going to reciprocate as much as he can. Right, exactly. exactly. I would have liked to find him $50,000 for not answering questions. <laughs> well, you know, but he made himself available. Yeah. So that, that was, that's the whole Marshawn Lynch thing is you got to make yourself available. doesn't matter what you say, just got to be available. And yeah. I appreciate you asking. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Talk about that, Kyle. Thank you for asking, boss. Well, we're getting close to the hour mark on this, so uh, per usual, go to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Please give us a five-star rating, and then kill us in the comments section. Uh, you can find Mr. Kyle Goon and all his good work up at the University of Utah at Kyle Goon on Twitter. K. Winmo for Kevin Winter Morris. I'm at Benny Raskin. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, I, I have a lozenge. Bye-bye. Thank you. For Tribune Sports Radio, this is Ben Raskin. Our weekly podcast is recorded every Tuesday. Subscribe to the show on iTunes at Trib Sports Radio. And while you're there, please rate the show and give us some comments to help improve the podcast. All of our reporters' work can be found at sltrib.com. Please follow us on Twitter at Trib Sports Radio. Tweet us questions and the fellows will be happy to answer them. Or if you feel like writing an email, send it to Tribune Sports Radio, all one word, at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.